shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Well, what is good, fam? Welcome to episode four of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique Wittiger Guzman Ajibol Cabello. I am very, very, very grateful that you guys decided to hop in here for, again, a difficult yet hopeful conversation. I promise they won't all be difficult. Um, some will be ho- all hope. And uh, sometimes, though, we have to dig into the ditches to find the hope. And that's what we're going to be doing today uh, with our special guest, Dave Gibbons. He has been a mentor of mine for a long, long time and is a leader of the Asian American community out in Orange County, California. He is wise. Um, He's wise beyond his years. He's only, I don't know, Dave, how a couple years, 10 years older than me, Um, but he's been through it and he's got, he is the beta test. He is the data points that we need when it comes to what we can do, each and every one of us individually, uh, to stop this violence against the Asian American Pacific Islander community. I don't want to say it's been a heavy week, every single week, every single time I jump into one of these things, but it's been a heavy week. Um, Man, I just... So much besides the one week separation between the Asian Americans that were killed uh, in Atlanta in the mass shooting to the mass shooting that happened, as I record this two days ago in Boulder, Colorado, um, we're, we're, we're up against it. We're facing it. And, you know, everything inside of me, all of like the carnal Carlos, can, can, can that be a thing? Can we hashtag Carnal Carlos? Can that just become like the flesh part of me? Wants to just kind of throw my hands up in the air and say, you know what? We can't do it. This country can't do it. Like, like if, if, if we can let 21 first and second graders be slaughtered by a weapon of war and not do anything about it, I, I want to throw my hands up in the air at that point, right? Like we're talking Sandy Hook days. Throw my hands up in the air and go, you know what? If if we can't fix it because of that, why in the world are we going to fix it this week? So that's what Carnal Carlos feels. But what I've seen the last year of people being fed up with people shrugging their shoulders, politicians shrugging their shoulders. And, and again, we've seen this with civil unrest that happened after George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Maude Arbery. We're seeing it this week. I'm, I'm seeing protests begin to rise to protest the rise of violence of our Asian American brothers and sisters. It's given me hope. It's given me, it's given me hope that, you know what? Maybe this country isn't just going to sit back and let this stuff continue to happen. Because again, be it left or right or straight down the middle, we all know this can't continue to happen. I don't have the answer. So if you're looking for that, you came to the wrong podcast. 
But hopefully some people maybe that I'll be talking to in over the course of the next few months will maybe have some ideas. But something's got to change. Something's got to change. And I know there's people that think, well, we just need better screening. I know there's people that think, you know, we need better, tighter gun restrictions. I know there's people that think we need to ban all the guns, get rid of all the guns. I know there's a a plethora of opinions on what needs to happen. But guys, don't you all agree it's time to stop having opinions and it's time to just do something? Because what's happening now, what we're doing, what we've done isn't working. I'm just I'm just ranting right now. I'm not I'm not providing you solutions. I know the last few weeks I've given you like A plus B equals C solution. This this ain't that. It's just I know I know what you're feeling. I need you to know that I know what you're feeling and please know that I know that it's not enough. We we're not doing enough. Things things got to change. And speaking of change, thank the Lord the seasons are changing. Winter I've had enough of you. And spring, I need you here right now. Guys, I'm, I'm, I'm actually home right now. Uh, speaking of change, I'm in my basement. I'm not in a hotel room or an Airbnb recording this podcast or my parents' house. I'm at home. I've been home for a few days and I feel amazing. I mowed my grass because my grass is starting to grow. Got on my riding lawnmower. I'm checking the spots where the robins build their nests. I'm checking my bluebird box and I'm, I'm ready. I'm hearing the birds sing Change is happening. Life is happening. There is good things happening around us. All it takes is for you to take a look and realize that the world's moving and um, God's still in control. Uh, The birds, you know, they're not stressed out. (laughs) Sometimes I wish I could be a bird, but I'm I'm excited over the next couple of weeks to start documenting. Hopefully, I mean, listen, I can't make the birds build a nest in my gutters, but hopefully they'll come back and build some nests in my gutter. So hop over to my Instagram page if you want to keep up with the backyard birds. So yeah, guys, make sure that you're taking care of your mental health. Listen, it is heavy. Every week's heavy. It's been heavy for like a year and a half. Actually, it's been heavy a lot longer than that, if, if we're honest. And so we've got to make sure that we're taking care of our hearts. Yes, be be knowledgeable in what's happening in our political climate, in our news cycle. Uh, be knowledgeable, but do not just spend 24-7 looking at this stuff. You've got to, you know, my wife's out there gardening. I'm going I'm going to go fly fishing. There, there's things that we've got to do to keep our mental health healthy and to keep it in check. And so um, just make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that you're not just consuming content 24/7 that that isn't isn't good for you. Now what what I what I will say is don't look away and never look back. Like don't don't be like, you know what? Like I heard about the mass shooting, but I'm not going to look at anything else about it because again, that that's just, that's coming from a place of privilege. That, that these people and these victims don't have. These victims' families don't have that. So they need us to stand in the gap for them. Go back to the Empathy Podcast two podcasts ago when my, when my friend Rob did that for us. It's a tightrope walk, but it's something that I feel like we're all capable of doing. And I'm here to help you guys do it. So with that being said, let's hop into the conversation with my great friend, Dave Gibbons. Dave Gibbons is honestly one of my favorite human beings on planet earth. I've been following Dave's journey for a long time. He's been mentoring me without knowing it uh, for 20 plus years, maybe knowing it for the last seven because I, I, I finally started to bother him. But he's, he is, he's a coach. He's an advisor. He's a speaker. He's an author. Let me, let me read you what it says on, a web, on his website. He says, I love working with people who feel like they are misfits. I take an X-Men Academy approach where we find mutants who sometimes feel out of the mainstream. Hey, that's me. Yet see their abnormality and know they have a superpower. The work I do is customized, holistic, east-west, and incorporates SQ, which is spiritual intelligence. Uh, Dave, uh, he advises venture capital companies in Silicon Valley, literally like NBA stars, Hollywood film production groups. But why he is here this week isn't to advise us on how to become better at whatever our jobs are. He's helping us become better humans and how to teaching us how to support the Asian American Pacific Islander community, of which he is one. And his words are powerful. I need you to grab a notebook, a pen, and or your iPhone. Like if you're driving, I want you, you listen while you're driving, but then go back and listen to this when when you can actually write some things down because this is 
this is going to be transformative for my son's life, my Korean son, who I'm desperate to grow up in a world where 3,800 anti-Asian hate crimes are not done to his community over the course of one year, when over the course of a little under a century, we have 5,000 lynchings of black Americans. I mean, let that stat stagger you for a second. I mean, that is, that, that's crazy. From 1877 to 1950, there were 5,000, close to 5,000 lynchings of blacks in America. In the last year, there's been 3,800 specifically targeted anti-Asian hate crimes. It's got to stop. And we're the ones that can stop it. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my great friend and now your great friend, Dave Gibbons. Dave, uh, right. thanks for um, hopping in with us here at the Human Hope Podcast. I texted you two days ago, and you're like, absolutely. Like, I'm all in. So thanks for jumping in with us. For sure. I love you. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in your mission, bro. So it's thanks, great man. hanging with you. Thanks, man. So uh, I just want, I want to talk about, I want to get up front and real right away. You are, um, you're, you're, my, you're kind of like my Asian pastor. And I've read all your books and I've listened to your messages and I, you know, and then, and then almost like mentor as well. Like I, I follow you mm-hmm. and kind of what you do in the business world and things. And mm-hmm. so I brought you on here because you are, you are being a loud voice for uh, the Asian Pacific Islander community. Um, mm-hmm. And right now, right. I don't even want to say right now there's a crisis. There's actually been a crisis for a long time. Right. And right now we just happen to peel the lid back off of the tuna can, and now we can see it. So why don't you, Dave, just for a second, tell us about kind of your heartbeat with this before we go into like maybe your history with this. Tell us a little bit about, you know, how your heart is raging right now in this moment. Well, it's crazy. This this triggers you right away. And like you said, it hasn't, it's not anything new. Yeah, it's been going on for you know a couple hundred years uh, in our history in America at least, and then if you go to Asia, it's thousands of years. You wow. see the conflicts, you know, be- between even Asian countries because a lot of people don't realize it. But um, when the one of the ideas is that we're a monolith that all the Asian Americans are alike, but in oh, some yeah. cultures like Japanese, Korea, it's like black and white. Yeah. You know, and so it's pretty intense. But I think this this really roots to me back to my mom, okay. where I saw what she had to go through when she immigrated to America, and she just put her head down and was, was quiet. And she was a vivacious, like vibrant woman. Uh, she light up a room when she walked into it. But I saw her just work like a dog like 12 hour shifts, standing all day long, varicose veins started getting worse as she got older. And, you know, uh, and then I saw how she just started deteriorating after the divorce. My, my dad had an affair and I saw how no one really knew how to help her. Wow. And so she was like this misfit person. Uh, so it, it brought back all these memories of suppression, yeah. just working hard, not, not saying anything. Wow. The, you know, the, you know, I, I think the working hard, not saying anything is at least, the, okay, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, at least from my perspective with, now, okay, I've got a, I've got a Korean son, okay? So my, my, mm-hmm. my, my son is Korean, but he's, he's American, right? <laughs> like, we, we, we adopted him when he was, you know, a few months old, right? So he's as American as it gets, but I, oh, man, I'm going to talk about that with you later. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, there's all kinds of things no. I want to talk about, man, but but the, the yeah. I feel like my Asian American friends have have not spoke up for the sake of not rocking the boat. Almost, it's almost like you know that there was just maybe you know you've watched you watched your mom and maybe even and you've experienced it for so long this hate. But tell me why you think um, there was never more of a public uproar. Maybe maybe there was an uproar that I just wasn't privy enough to see. You know, does that make sense? The question I'm asking, like, like what it, what yeah. is the deal with with maybe um, not wanting to um, to rock the boat per se? Well, you know, if you just look at Asian culture yeah. uh, with our parents, 
that's just how we're, we're raised because it's based on the shame-based culture. Wow. And so you don't want to dishonor people by disrespecting them publicly. Um, so things are more private. And then also the conversation is more nuanced. Yeah. Where, you know, in America, you're very direct. Like, here's the issue, the corpus of the issue. You, you go right directly through it as an American. Yeah. Whereas if you think of the issue as like the sun, um, the planets are more like how we communicate as it revolves around the sun. Yeah. We, nu- we, we nuance the idea. <laughs> Um, so, you know, if we say yes, it may be a yes, but maybe really a no. Right. Uh, it depends how you say it. Well, I think it's unearthed things. Yeah. I think you're going to see more, more of it just coming out because yeah. it's all there. You see it done passive aggressively, like typically in culture, or yeah. we're going to show you by our workaholism. Mm. And like in Korea, what happens is it's like Japan, Korea, there's a workaholic type of mindset. And then they don't even go home till like sometimes wee hours of the morning. Because they're out uh, drinking with clients. That's part of the culture. Wow. And so a lot of it's numbed down. Yeah. And but so they, that's how they deal with it. Because that's the culture. We don't, again, bring it out. Yeah. But in America, what's unique is the Western influence is all about amplifying your voice. Yeah. And make it known what you're really feeling. So this generation who's very social media savvy. Yes. I mean, they're all over it and they're inspiring us older ones. Like say, Hey, why aren't you guys speaking up now? This is America. And, you know, even though we're Asian, our, our elderly are getting killed. Yeah. Our, our fathers are getting their face flashed from ear to ear on the streets, you know, and then our six uh, Asian women are getting killed Mm. in Atlanta it's time to speak up. Yeah. It's almost like to me, it, it reminded me of the George Floyd moment last mm. year where that just wrecked our nation. You could feel the, the, the pain, but for, for me as an Asian, it unearthed so many deep feelings of like, dude, why have been, why have I been quiet? Even with my black brothers and sisters, why haven't I spoken up more? And so I think the same's happening in the Asian community. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Always been a, fo- a voice for justice, but um, mm-hmm. to to watch you stepping into—I mean, you're 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 going to like city council meetings now. Like I'm, I'm seeing, I'm like, look at Dave Gibbons is like, you know, you're where's the megaphone? Like you're like you're you're there, and mm-hmm. um, and so so let's do this for a second. Maybe mm-hmm. take us back to did you did you grow up in America? Yeah, yeah mostly. I, I I was born on an Air Force base. Okay. In, uh, Seoul, Korea. My mom um, was married be- or with another man, had a s- my, my older sister. Yeah. She met my dad. He was a young soldier, Air Force. And then we came to the States. Okay. I went out about three, two or three. Okay. Two or three. So, and were you, yeah. were you primarily in, in Southern California? No, I was in, uh, um, primarily in Arizona, but oh, then okay. I also lived in the South. You did? Under- underground, I, underground, I went to the South to a very liberal school. Really? University. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was like the Christian university from my fundamentalist background, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so that, and at that time, it was the biggest Christian university in America. Wow. But that's where I was like really straight up dealing with racism. Okay. Okay. So let, let's go. Let's go there. So let's go. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're college, Dave. You're at Bob Jones yeah, University Bob and you're dealing with, uh, what, what, what is dealing with racism as an Asian in the nineties or whatever it was in the eighties look like in the South, you know, cause I, we get a lot of stories of black people in the South in the eighties and the nineties, like what it looked like for them. Was it more subtle? Was it just as blatant? Like, what was it for you? It's subtle. Um, but, but there are lines being drawn. Wow. Uh, you don't realize it. What it came down to, to me is I realized there's a Southern hospitality Mm. until you date my daughter mm. oh. you know so see that that to me I, that was like the, the the measuring point to me is like okay would you let me date your daughter wow if if not we got a problem wow 
And so that was a key. The other thing I saw that was so pronounced was like we would do these, you know, they teach you how to do evangelism the hardcore way. You know, <laughs> right. yeah, you've probably been a part of that. Yeah. And they would say, hey, if someone comes to Jesus, you know, if they're black, tell them to go to this church, this black church. Wow. Not this white. And I go, I never had experienced that in Arizona. Wow. Yeah. You know, but then I go, wow, this is very pronounced. It's subtle. And then it got to the point where it got real when they called me into the Dean of Men office and said, hey, you can't date Caucasian. What? Yeah. What? They had a they had a no interracial dating policy. What? This wasn't the 40s, bro. I know this was the 80s. Wow. It was the wow. 80s. And I had it was crazy, you know, because what was what was a kind of catch 22 for them at that moment was that <laughs> I was. I was supposed to be half white and half Korean. Yeah. And I say supposed to, because I thought I was, right. you know, uh, and then my, my brother looks more white and he's definitely half white, half yeah. Korean. Yeah. Um, but so, but he was able to, even with that understanding from their mindset, he was able to still date white because he looked more white. Your brother. And then, yeah, my brother. And I wasn't able because I look more Korean, even oh. though culturally, um, you know, Western. Yeah. yeah. And, and cause, cause your father was white. Yeah, my father was white. And so but oh, oh. I didn't know he he really was my birth father yeah. was not white. I found it a couple of years ago, but Yeah, yeah. Um you, you know, isn't that the case though that and this is what I found is my friends were like, "Well, Carlos, I don't see you. You know, you're just Carlos. Like I don't see you as black Carlos or Mexican Carlos. Like you're just Carlos to me." So yeah. and I'm always like like, "Well, I'm glad that you have that opportunity." to see me that way, as opposed to every single day that I get to exist in my body. I am not that to people when I walk in the gas station or when I walk, you know, to exactly. whatever. Um, that's- yeah. I, I remember, I remember walking into a McDonald's in Wisconsin with some Asian friends. Yeah. Uh, you would know some of these guys. It was just like about three or four of us. Okay. Know? These guys are all leaders in like different academies yeah. or whatever. We literally walked in and the whole McDonald's restaurant got quiet. And a child goes, look, mom. Wow. It's like some type of farm animal what? or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was ridiculous. But I That's think there's a lot of that going on that people just don't say. Mm. And you can see by body language, if you're intuitive at all, that yeah. you know, there's, there's a shunning or there's like a, a, a condescension yeah. in terms of how they look or fear potentially. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um... Uh, okay, so I mean, th- what this does is it parallels to nineteen the eighties. Again, that was not long ago, and so there's no way. I don't care what anybody says. There's no way that this has somehow been, um, you know, pushed out of American culture and of of our DNA and of what we're doing. So, um, you know, t- for my listeners, we're 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 going to fast forward to twenty twenty one. I th- I think a lot of them need to realize that hey, if you are and this isn't just a Southern thing, but I'll be honest. I think it is more pronounced, um, more, more visible in the South. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, um, covered a little bit more. Um, but so, so we've got, I've got, you know, listeners in the South and, um, they, they may be thinking like, Oh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not racist. I'm not, you know, I don't think that way about like, what are some things that they can do to maybe uncover some maybe hidden biases that are, inside of their heart, you know, like does, does everybody need to do some sort of inner gut check, inner soul check when it comes to, um, and I'm specifically talking about Asian Americans. I'm not talking about, we can talk about black people later. I'm talking about Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. Um, is, you know, do you feel like maybe everybody needs to have some sort of dialogue with themselves about their views and maybe some biases that are inside of them? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, a lot of this, I think comes from this normal human relationships. Yeah. And so my encouragement is, you know, you probably have some Asian American friends or someone that you may know, whether it's in your network or your business place, take the time to know their story, have them, have them share about their family and then ask them about prejudice and racism. Did they ever experience it? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know how in the black community, it's the talk you have to have with a kid, right? Right. Yeah. There's that talk we all know about. Well, Asians, we never had that talk. Like, and I was thinking, dude, we, we need to have that talk wow. first internally, but then also I think with the community at large, we need to have a conversation because no one really knows the deep stories right. of what it, you, know, you do if you're an immigrant, I think, especially, but if you're looking different, it's taken to another level. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 2021 happens and there's, or 2020 happens and tell, tell me about you when, when you begin to hear China virus, when you begin to hear, uh, tell me about the reality in Dave Gibbons life when that began to be what was coming out of the leader of our country. Well, he was lighting the flames. Hmm. He was, he was gassing us right there. Uh, because if you look at movements, you know, everybody's looking at the killer potentially right now. I said, no, it started before the killer wow. in Atlanta. It started with a culture that was created from our leadership that started uh, um, impugning and also uh, being falsely critical uh, of, of Asian Americans. Mm. You know, never before have we seen this you know, with a president, you know, that they would liken like a virus to a, a group of people. But that yeah. started gaslighting us right there. Um, it, the culture started uh, fomenting with this anger and this resentment. Now you see the spillover. So mm. is it any wonder that people start killing us and yeah. pushing our elderly to the ground and beating us up? It's, no, you set you set the atmosphere up, man. Because if you if you work in a business, you know this. But you know the culture is the most important thing, man. Yeah, and you know it's not just the OKRs, the objectives by key results, but it's the culture you're creating yeah. that really helps produce a healthy company or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's the elderly, honestly, the the elder abuse up until what happened in that Atlanta. I I don't feel like people get it. I don't feel like um, like people understand how damaging that is to a culture, how damaging that it, when you're targeting the elderly, when you're targeting, targeting the saints, um, uh, talk, talk to us a little bit, Dave, about, um, maybe, maybe the feelings before Atlanta happened, uh, and then after Atlanta happened. So before Atlanta happened, uh, are you, are you just trying to like yell like, Hey guys, look what's happening. Like this is happening to us. And then maybe once Atlanta happens, you know, are you like, you know, told you so like, like this is actually what's happening. Like, tell us a little bit about, um, is there, is there still fear as Asian Americans are walking around? Is there fear of their grandparents, uh, being abused? Like what, what, what are the feelings right now? Yeah, there's a lot of fear. You know, if you listen to the kids, the high school kids, the elementary kids, you know, there's, there's great, grave concern for the parents and grandparents. Uh, I, I think before the Atlanta event, you, you had the activists aware of it because anybody working yeah. with Black Lives Matter or injustice movements, you could already see it starting to fire up. Yeah. And so I think what Atlanta did is I hope it's almost like a George Floyd moment in yeah. a positive way where it just galvanizes the community. And so we're starting to see that now. You're starting to see the rallies occurring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're having now private meetings. Like, you know, when, when I started working with BLM, these activists are amazing. Uh, they they put together these you know twenty thousand people rallies within several days. Wow. They just go and do it, and so I just said, you know, I, so I, you're seeing these meetings now pop up, and you're and watch out. I tell people, watch out. You really? you woke up a sleeping giant. Yes, you, you know you're you're messing with some people that once they get together, yeah, you can't stop them. Oh yeah, and already people don't realize this, but I don't know if you saw this, but yeah, you know. I, I did a walk from 100 uh, from Charlottesville to Black Lives Matter Plaza, yes. 130 mile walk, and I walked with some pollster type people, you know, that are trying to mm -hmm. get recruits you know, for their party to uh, uh, to or, uh, to vote for their uh, their politician. Yeah, and I asked them. I said, "Hey, you always mention black and white statistics. Why don't you ever or brown?" But I go, "Why don't you mention Asian?" And he kind of like didn't really address it. And yeah. I said, "Is it because there's not that many in your mind's eye?" And basically, he said they're statistically insignificant. Wow. And, and if you look at America, it's because we have six and a half percent, you know, Asian American population. Okay. And again, our, typically our culture is not just going to push it out there. Yeah. Um, but people don't realize this, that we're 20% of like the frontline workers in the health sector. Wow. Nurses, doctors, you know, PAs. Yeah. 20%, man. These guys are putting their lives down in the That's quiet, crazy. saving your parents and grandparents, you know, yeah. and your kids on a daily basis before the COVID. And then right. we're 50%. I said we're 50% um, of the, the workforce in Silicon Valley. Wow. 50% technologists. 
these are the guys that create the social media platforms. Absolutely. And I, so I said, we're 23 million strong in the U.S. Yeah. And by I looked at a recent Pew study because I wanted to see, like, what's going on? Right. Asian Americans are the fastest growing ethnic group in America right now. Really? And by 2055, they said we will be 38% of the population of the U.S. We will, we will surpass Hispanic, Latinx. Wow. Wow. So I said, you guys don't, don't mess because yeah. already people are scared too. I think there's this other side like, hey, man, these Asians are taking over. They're coming. <laughs> they're coming. I said, yeah, they're coming, but That's don't right. mess. That's right. Don't mess. You guys are coming. You know, America. Oh my gosh. What's, I guess I don't, I don't think people understand like the beauty of this place is that it's going to keep shifting. It's going to keep, it's going to keep melting. It's going to keep, it's not white forever. Like, I'm sorry, but like the end is near for, you know, of, of that being the predominant culture in America, especially as, as races marry each other. And as you know, like that's just not going to be the power structure in America anymore. I love dearly my white brothers and sisters. They're all listening to my podcast right now with everything inside of them. But like, I'm not coming. (laughs) Yeah, we love white people. We're we're not coming after you. That's not Mm -hmm. the thing. But what's happening Mm -hmm. is the face of America is shifting. And so that's why there's, that's why for me, there's such a passion for my white brothers and sisters to understand me, to understand you because they're going to have to because guess what? Their grandkids, my my grandkids, are going to be living in a completely different America than I grew up in. Totally, man. Yeah, we're a nation of immigrants. Come yeah. on. Yeah. Like you just gotta go back a couple of generations. I just tell every every white person here. And then, hey, we're all like invading on Native American land, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like come on. Yeah. So it's like you know, look back in history of of we we are that nation, and we are a nation that comes together. That's the beauty of our our nations, the diversity. Yes, it's, it is beautiful. And it's a, it's not a scary thing. That's, that's the thing is, is whenever I see anybody scared about, about immigrants coming, about more people coming to America, I'm like, well, there's probably something buried beneath that fear that you probably need to call out. Yeah. And if you just look from a purely economic perspective, right. Um, And global economy, when you have the slowdown of immigration of, of these younger leaders, you have slowdown of birth rates, like in Japan and some of these other Asian countries, which are really strict or have cultures of maybe not having as many children. Yeah. What happens is you see a slowdown in the economy. You see the, the G- GDP suffering. But when you see nations that are like opening their doors, to the immigrant, these are the, some of the most hungry. They're the hungry, hungriest people yeah. on the planet. They're the entrepreneurs. And they're going to create companies where your kids can have jobs yeah. and you'll work alongside of them. Yeah. And so to me, that's the beauty of the nation is you're getting this constant influx of creativity and hunger that raises the bar. Mm. It's not going to lessen jobs for you. It's going to create jobs for America. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so true. You, I, I missed it and I was so mad that I missed it, but you've been kind of talking about it. You had a um, clubhouse um, and I, I saw that you were having it and I couldn't hop on, but it was, it was, t- I love the title. And this is actually maybe where I want the meat of this conversation to be. It said, you know, AAPI beyond prayers and thoughts, it's time to act. Okay. So I wasn't in there for that conversation, but I feel like that conversation needs to be had because I, it's, it's, it is, it's, it's past the time, you know what thoughts and prayers for the um, Asian community in America, we're going to pray for them. And then we're going to go to the next thing. No, what what is the action that needs to follow our intention? So let's get real practical here. What are some practical action things that we can do that I can do that the people listening to this podcast can do to stand up and rise up for you and your community? Well, first one, first one is this: is be vigilant. You know, we talk about having vigils. Vigils yeah. means vigilant means to, to to make yourself awake. Wow, you know, and awake's not bad to me. To be woke is not a negative term. So we. We we have seriously. It's good to be awakened. We talk about that being born again. That's like that's the beauty of being. So to be woke is good to me. Um, So I'd say the first thing is you know make sure your eyes are wide open. You you listen to the stories and you know their names. So you know even for a moment now, no Soon Chung Park, no Hyung Jung Grant, no Soon Cha Kim. You, no, young A. You, no, Xiao Zhe Tong. 
No, Dao Yo Fung. These are the six Asian women that were killed in Atlanta. Know their stories. Mm. You know, just don't dismiss them because they worked at a massage parlor. Because the truth is, in Asia, massage parlors are like common. There's things called ginger bombs, like in uh, in Korea, where it's it's normal to go to spas. You know, just to work out and then get a therapist to work on you. And so, you know, again. Know their names, know their story. Don't believe just what the media says and how they're stereotyping things. The second thing is, I would say, know the history. You know, start. That's what I love about California. Just like came out with something that they're going to require, I think, in the high schools, uh, ethnic studies, and so which is awesome. Wow, the cultures. Yeah. So you know, there's a five part series I think on Asian Americans coming out. uh, They're going to release for free again. Really on PBS. Okay. Yeah, watch that. Watch yeah. the story because you'll be surprised that the railway road from California to uh, I think it was Utah. Yeah, um, they built the transcontinental ro- railway system. Railway system. Most mo- they're mostly Chinese laborers oh, in the yeah. 1850s. Oh yeah, no, I, I was. I, we were. We, I went to to preach at Jesus Culture in Sacramento, uh, and my wife and I went went on this hike up like up towards Tahoe and there, it was along these abandoned railroad tracks, like up on the side of the mountain and like Donner pass. And so there was a plaque up there mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. and again, nobody told me this, but yeah. it was, it was Chinese immigrants right. that built that entire railroad, the whole thing. Exactly. And I had no idea. Exactly. And there were slaves basically. In wow. fact, they said it, the, the people that were business leaders that says these guys are, are like our slaves. They're, they're curs to us. They're, these guys are, they just eat rice and they pack themselves wow. in, in rooms of 20 people. And so there, all this negative hostility. And then it, it rose to like 1882 where you had like the anti-immigration bill uh, exclusion act for, for Asians, but specifically targeting Chinese for 10 years Wow. Chinese could not immigrate here. And then those who were here couldn't get citizenship. It's the first time the U.S. government, from what I know, was like they specifically targeted an ethnic group and excluded them. Wow. Well, and, and, and not to mention everything from World War II and all of the internment camps. Internment. And, and, you know, I, again, I was my, and I hate that it took this what ha, what's happened in the last few months with Asians for me to really start um looking and diving deep into the conversation. But I, we were in Seattle for a spring break a couple days ago and I went to Bainbridge Island. Little did I know about them removing all of the Asian Americans from Bainbridge Island, making them, you know, shipping them over to the desert in California. And then they have to stay there for four years. They sell all their property. Um, and so I'm, I'm filming this, Dave, on my Instagram and I'm actually like showing people and the, the utter amount of, I mean, dozens and dozens of people that were like, I'd never heard this. I had no idea this happened. America had Asians in camps. Wait, what are you talking about? That's it's just not taught. One hundred twenty thousand. One hundred twenty thousand of Japanese men, women, and children put in internment camps where they smell the stench of farm animals wow. that were in their dormitories. Wow. Um, they also lost Carlos. They lost their businesses. They had to wow. sell their properties. Wow. Did so they ever get left, paid back for that? Uh, there was some reparation, okay. but nothing compared sure. to what billions of dollars yeah. that'd be worth today. Yeah, nothing compared to it. It was pennies compared to what they should, what, what they deserved. Wow. And so you know, this is and then, and then people don't know, like even from a heroic perspective, mm. like during you know during World War II, there was the most decorated uh, uh, military unit in American history was the 442nd Regiment Combat Team. Wow. It was primarily made of Japanese Americans. No from, way. A lot of them from Hawaii. Wow. And it's, it's the most decorated. I mean, they said they had something like, I, I forget the amount of numbers, but um, crazy amounts of awards this group group won. It was so significant. But My no one goodness. knows that they're the most decorated from World War II. Nobody, nobody knows that. Well, now they do. Now the Human Hope yeah, listeners do. Yeah, but they they gave their lives up. And this is in the midst of the Japanese American prejudice when their their families are put in internment camps. Oh, oh, that's and then when they came and when they came home, they still had racist attitudes toward them. It's just like wow. the black community. Same thing happened to the black community. Yeah, you know they didn't get the same GI Bill type of benefits that right. uh, when they came home. Same thing happened with these Japanese soldiers. Wow, wow. Stay vigilant. No history. 
Anything and else? And then third, I would say engage the story from your friends. Okay. And uh, engage the story because this is really key. I, I was listening to Sung Chan Ra, you know, that, you know, really amazing academic. But he, what I derived from it was he said there's like a three-legged stool for change and movement. So one is like an individual approach where we have our individual responsibility. The second is a systemic transformation approach, which is justice-oriented. You're yeah. dealing with government, economics, you know, the academy, that type of thing. But he said the third one, and I go, this is brilliant. The third one has to deal with the narrative. It has to deal with the story. Wow. Like what is the story that we're promoting? What's the story that we're telling, the truth? And so he gave an example, like if you had, you had slavery, that was the story. And then the change because of Emancipation Proclamation, you know, Abraham Lincoln. Yep. Then you had Jim Crow. And then you had Martin Luther King Jr., Civil right. Rights Movement. There's the story. And then you have white supremacy, Christian nationalism, and then Trumpism. Wow. And so that story started to take root in America. That's why you're seeing this whole gross stuff that was underneath, yeah. you know, the, the belly of our, our nations all coming, coming out. It was there. Yeah. We just didn't see it as yeah. evidently. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so what's the, what's the story of Asian Americans and what's, what, what's the story that we need to be engaging specifically? I, I would say that these are some of the most beautiful, brilliant people on the planet. Mm. They are the majority of the planet. Mm. You know, if you, if you, if you take a lens outside of just America and we're yeah. the center of the universe, <laughs> uh, if you look at the creative, I travel a lot. If you look at the creative energy from technology to um, modernization, um, because they didn't have all that years ago, like America did, what you now have in America is an antiquated systems of infrastructure. Yeah. Or, you know, whereas in Asia, they're, they're putting down all the G, you know, the, the, the G5 lines, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. All, all the technology, the modernizations, they're at like next level. Yeah. If you look at culture, dance, music, film, look at who's winning the Oscars or who's getting yeah. nominated, you know, with Chloe, with Nomadland. And you look at Minardi uh, with uh, the, the Korean filmmaker. Um, you look at Dan Lin, even from a Western perspective with Ryback Ranch, creating the Lego movie, Aladdin, the two popes, Sherlock Holmes, you know, the it series, you know, the horror, horror films, yeah. you know, they're at the forefront of creativity, fashion, design, culture making. And then they're also in the, in the throes of like, uh, of the engagement of civil rights activism, but also within government and health, health sectors and science. Yeah. And so to me, it's like they're, but they're, they do the work. These mm. are the people you want to be your friends. Right. These are the people that you want to learn from and they're, and they're beautiful. They're humble. A lot yeah. of them. Yeah. You know, and, and th there's a lot of this is, you know, I, it's, it is DNA, man. My, my son is the most humble, beautiful, caring soul on planet earth and, and people see it. And I'm like, man, he didn't get that from me. You know, um, <laughs> Go. Oh, you are. You're humble. oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, not like him, man. Not like him. And, you know, and so um, tell me this. I mean, th that's great. I mean, th that is that is um, there. There's some work right now. Every listener, listen to this. Stay vigilant. Know the history. Engage the story. That is how that's how we, we move forward. Right. And then one more thing I would say, yeah. too, is like maybe maybe um, advocate or ally, just like the okay. black community encouraged us, like it's become an ally. And so what does that mean is uh Show up at the rallies if you can, you know, um, uh, talk to the politicians, vote, you know, make sure things are pronounced. Like if there's a if there's an incident in your neighborhood, make yeah. sure people know about that incident and that yeah. we're doing something about that because it's yeah. local. It's local, global type of thing. Sure. And so to me, be, become that ally that comes alongside of because to be silent again is to be complicit. Yeah. Um, you know, the worst thing is when you have a, like, I don't know if you've experienced this, but. It's like when you're getting attacked and you're just getting whammed and slammed by people and then your yeah. friends say nothing. Yes, that's the worst. It's, it's the worst. And Martin Luther King talked about that. It's like the worst pain in the world is your friends didn't even stand up for you. Yeah. Now, at the same time, as Asian American, as an Asian American, I'm not expecting that uh, sure. because I think part of it is we have to own this moment. Yeah. Uh, we have to activate regardless with we get praise or criticism. We have to own it and say, this is our time yeah. uh, to build upon what Black Lives Matter and our, our civil rights leaders have done and to walk with them, but yeah. not say that you, they have to do this with us. Yeah.
Yeah. You know, would let, let's even, I love that you took it down to the local level and took it down to kind of how you can um, be an ally, but I, let's talk, let's just talk about friends, like your friends, right? So, so relationships that you already have as an Asian American, like would it, is it weird if one of your black friends or white friends or people that aren't, you know, in, from your culture come up to you and, and ask you these things? Cause I feel like that there's a trepidation initially, I think from anybody to be like, well, is it weird to ask my Asian American friend, like, Hey, what's your reality? Like, like, are they going to be offended? You know, no one, everyone's tiptoeing these days, man. So like, like, tell us, like, is that, is that okay? I think so. I think it shows, it shows empathy that you care. Yeah. You know, um, I think any, even if you, you're, it seems haphazard to you or you're, you're concerned, you know, yeah. I think most people are just glad that you're asking. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so they, they may respond differently, but it's, it's a sign that you care if you ask. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, um, one thing you mentioned too, you know, the, the, just to bring back the idea is with your son. And yeah. it, it brought back a memory when you mentioned him because yeah. I was called like a banana, mm. you know, like yellow outside, white inside. And that's what wow. I essentially called myself. Yeah, I'm banana, man. People ask me, hey, what race are you? Like, well, I'm yellow outside, white inside. I'm like a banana. And it's kind of something we just joked about. Sure. And I reflected upon that even during this past year. I go, dude, I just accepted that kind of the, to laugh a little bit, to joke around and to calm the ethnic weirdness about it all. Yeah. But the truth is, man, even your son, you know, he, he has Asian culture in him. There's a yeah. concept called epigenetics where, okay. you know, within DNA, you have human characteristics that are passed on uh, in your genes. So they said, why they said there's, there, there's thinking in studies now that there can be even memories that are passed on in your genes. I believe it. And so to me, it's like, you know, when you're in the womb, um, when you're in the, you have a genetic code, there's traumas, there's things that you go, why do I have like a panic attack about this? Right. You know, why is this person? I think there's things in our, we, we don't even know what's oh. going down. So that's why I said, to say we're just white inside or yellow. I said, that's not completely accurate hmm. uh, because no matter if I know it or not, I have this culturally Asian uh, thing going on in me. So I'd like to um, end these conversations with, you know, the podcast is called Human Hope. And yeah. just just asking you, Dave, where are you, where are you finding your hope? How are you seeing hope? Do you have hope for um, the future of uh, Asian Americans in this country? Where, where are you pulling hope from these days? Uh, that's a great question. I think I, I pull hope from uh, one, just like look at the next generation. Yeah. And I like how it's raw and they're getting back to the essentials. Yeah. They're like, even though they talk, you know, there's a lot of talk of mental health. It's actually, they're the healthiest mentally that I've ever seen. Wow. Um, even though they're, you know, it seems like it's crazy because they're mis they're always admitting their mental health problems. I said, no, that's, they have a language for it that they're coding and it's good. Yeah. I wish I had that code when I was younger. I didn't know yes. what was going on. Yeah. So I'm inspired. I have a ton of hope in the next gen. Mm -hmm. I literally, I'm at these rallies yeah, and I see these kids like speaking eloquently and literally, man, I don't know what goes on. I just start crying like a oh. baby. I, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like when you see your kids doing something and yes. I, I just start getting wrecked every yes. rally. I go to serious. I cried every rally. Yes. Yes. And so that inspires me is the next generation of young people who are activists and they don't care about the money. They don't care about mm. the fame. You know, as they show that when they go online on social media, they don't dress up. They just, you know, they don't put any makeup on. They say, hey, this is me, man. I love, I love it. that. I love it. That's hope. Um, the That's other hope I have is, you know, it's in my faith, of course. You know, yeah. I, I do believe in the spirit. I don't, there's a lot of weird stuff out there that I don't buy into. There's sure. a lot of goofy stuff. Um, and then on the evangelical side, it's, it's just sometimes intellectualized the faith mm -hmm. and, and ritualize, but there's this element that I really believe, whether one's a follower of Jesus or not, mm -hmm. that there's just like Imago Day that we're yeah. all made in the image of God, yeah, and and that we reflect. I don't think it's the physical characteristics as much as his moral character, yeah. And then on top of that, to me, the beautiful part is I think there's a part of every human that reflects his power, where it's almost like we have perfection running through our veins. Wow. 
And so with all this brokenness and deconstruction of our bodies and of our society, God saw fit that he allowed his perfection still to be in us. And so you'll see these transcendent moments with athletes, with artists, where you're just like your jaw drops and you're in awe, you're lost in a moment. It's like you're taken to a heavenly place. And I believe that's like the image of God. So I look for those moments. So I, I, I see that. So that's what makes my day exciting every day, no matter what justice work we're doing, no matter what. I'm looking for that beauty, not just the brokenness. Yes, yes. Oh, and and that and those Imago Day moments don't have to be on a Sunday morning at 9 a.m. at whatever oh, yeah. first evangelical. You're you're saying that those things are available to us all day, every day, every day. And see, that's the problem. I think because of the, where, the way we're trained in the West is binary: our faith, our spirituality, and our work. Yeah. Whereas in the East, it's so integrated. You know, it's it's all together. Yeah. And so. You can hold something in tension that there's pain, but yet there's joy. Yeah. You know, and we, we, we do that in marriage. We do that with our kids. We do that in suffering. You can have these dual emotions at the same time. Yeah. And so to me, it's the same when it comes to our faith, man. And this is what changed my life. And that's why I started like you putting a lot more attention into this real life that I'm going to serve in real world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if I do church stuff, that's great. But my main games in the marketplace, loving the artists, walking yeah. with those who are fighting justice, helping the entrepreneurs. So I'm living life, but I have those eyes of like faith, those, yeah. those eyes that to me, I call them like Narnia eyes, right? Where oh, yes. you, you, you wake up with wonder saying, man, what's going to go on today? Yes. Narnia eyes. You need to put that on a t-shirt, man. Dave. That is, that's so good. Dude, I am... I'm just honored that this was so good for me. If not, if another person doesn't even hear this, but me, uh, like this is blown on mine. You're so incredible. So anyway, thanks for talking to all of us here at Human Hope, buddy. We really appreciate you. Love you, Carlos. Thanks for having me. Guys, please go follow at Dave Gibbons on Twitter, um, on Instagram. Let him know how grateful you are for his work and his words to us. Um, Something that I would love for you guys to do is head to stopaapihate.org. That's stopaapihate.org. And um, this this website is put together uh, by a sociologist in San Francisco. And it's got all the data, all the steps, but all the steps, but also like what you can do when you see how you can report an Asian anti-American, excuse me, anti-Asian American hate crime, how you can report it. And um, it's just got a lot of great resources. So head over to stopaapihate.org. And again, I'm so honored that you guys took the time to hang out with us on the Human Hope Podcast. Please subscribe. Um, if you haven't if you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, will you please take 90 seconds to do that today? Honestly, it helps so much. I know you don't believe it, but trust me, it helps. So please, uh, if you love the show, I'd love a five-star review. I'd love for you to type a few words as to what the show means to you. And we'll be back next week, Thursday morning, same time, same place. From your host, Carlos Whitaker, thank you so much. And let's have a little bit of hope this week.